Hey, podcast listeners, hope you're doing well, and I hope you are winning contracts. Before we get into today's episode, I want to take a minute to share something with you that's working for our clients. Our federal access knowledge base is helping companies win contracts every single day. I regularly get emails from members thanking us and saying things like, hey, I just won a $2 million contract. Many of you have seen a video that Chris Danback shot for us at GovCon. Chris won two contracts totaling $30 million. One of our members, Eyal, emailed me this morning and said, the turning point that opened my eyes was using federal access to establish a professional and systematic business development and RFP process. I've now won two contracts worth $480,000. Federal access is helping a lot of companies win. It can help you too. So here's the deal. I have a special offer for you. Visit federal-access.com forward slash game changers today and get started for just $29. You're going to get access to a digital copy of the government sales manual, over 70 strategy videos, more than 30 webinars, 300 documents and templates, and one of my favorite pieces is SME support. So when you run into any issue, any challenge at all, you can email me directly for help. So go check out the special offer today at federal-access.com forward slash game changers. The link is in the description below the podcast. So go check that out today, federal-access.com forward slash game changers. So you can get started for just $29 today. Now let's hop into this episode. The big question is this, if government contracting is supposed to be so easy, why do so many companies fail to win even a single contract while others dominate the market? That's the question and this podcast will give you the answers. In today's episode, you go one-on-one with best-selling author and master business coach Michael Lejeune to learn exactly how to take your government contracting business to the next level. To scale or not to scale? That is the question that we want to answer today. And I know when a lot of people think about this, they think about, I want to scale, I want to grow. Because, you know, when everybody starts their business, and I don't care what business you're in, everybody wants to grow. Everybody wants to make money. Everybody wants to serve a certain community. Everybody, typically, a lot of people want to hire employees and just continue to grow. And, you know, especially you aggressive entrepreneurs out there, you typically start a business and you envision this multi-million dollar thing with dozens or hundreds of employees and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, it's the early decisions in your business are typically about like when to hire the first employee, when to hire your 10th, 20th, 50th, and so on employees. Those are a lot of the big decisions. And a lot of times revenue is what's driving those decisions. In order to get to the next revenue mark, whether that mark is a half a million dollars or $10 million or $20 million or larger, in order to get to that revenue mark, you're looking at how many employees you need to get to that revenue mark. Here's the unfortunate thing about that. Revenue should not be driving those decisions. Profit should. Too many companies focus on this idea of, you know, certain revenue means a certain amount of profit. That's not necessarily the case. Oftentimes, it's not the case. In fact, I want to kind of kick off this episode today by talking about an accounting firm that we worked with years ago. And they were, they're probably the most egregious example of this that I've ever seen in my life. So, If you think about the 80-20 rule, usually 80% of your business comes from about 20% of your clients, right? 
the same thing even with with your employees. You've got eighty percent of the work doing being done by about twenty percent of the people, that sort of thing. And it, it's not to say that having employees is a bad thing or anything like that. I just want to point out some facts, okay? And and I'm going to get to four rules here in a minute for to scale or not to scale to help you make that decision and help you drive how to scale. Because I think ultimately scaling is a good thing, but uh, we're going to get to those rules here in a minute. But first, I want to talk about this accounting firm. So when I met them, I sat down with the owner and keep in mind here, this is an accounting firm. So they should be really, really good with numbers. So I sit down with the accountant. And the reason I'm sitting in front of this guy is he's absolutely miserable. He's like, Mike, I I can't stand the business. I'm working all these hours. I'm just not making enough money. And so so, so, so tell me some of the numbers here. He's running about a $5 million business. And between his seasonal, part-time, full-time employees, he's running 50-ish employees. Sometimes it scales up a little bit past 50 but uh, somewhere around 50 employees. And so I'm like, so here's the magic number. How much money are you taking out of the business? He says, I'm taking about 150K out a year. So here's a guy who's running a $5 million firm, 50 something employees, and he's making about 150K a year out of that, which is a decent living. It's a very, very decent living. And like, so, so what's the problem here? He's like, I, I just, I'm just so miserable. And I've got, I, I, instead of serving clients, I'm serving employees all day long and then serving clients. So I'm working 75 to 80 hours a week on a good week. You know, that's what I'm working. So I'm going to make a, a long story short here. We sat down and we did some numbers. We said, so look, you know, where is the bulk of your revenue coming from? Show me the bulk of your revenue. Show me how the revenue comes in. And we did the numbers. And over the course of the next two years, because it, this is a really is really good guy. He didn't want to just say, look, Mike, I got all these employees. Even though it's a hassle, I don't want to just get rid of them. You know, I want to help them find places to work and do things as we kind of change the business and that sort of thing. So we actually implemented a plan to help move some of the employees out, to move some of the clients out and get referrals. This is a brilliant strategy, by the way. I'll talk to I'll talk about that here in a second. But the, when we sat down and looked at it on paper, I said, look, if you would shrink the company from $5 million to a million in revenue, we could probably drop from 50 employees to four, and you'd double what you're making. So shrinking from $5 million to $1 million in revenue, shrinking from 50 employees to four, he actually increased revenue, his, well, no, not revenue, he increased personal revenue profit out of the business from 150k to just north of 300. And why is that? The reason is he had the bulk, his big accounts were all equal to about a million dollars. He could service all of them between himself, a couple of bookkeepers and an admin. And he could service all of those clients that way. So like, why don't you just take that one piece of the business, focus on that piece of the business, focus your team on that piece of the business. You're going to double what you take home. You're actually going to be able to give everybody you keep. You're going to be able to give them a raise as well. So you're going to be able to, you know, help all of them out as well. And you're going to live pretty happy because like, how many hours a week on average does this take you? He's like, well, to manage that part of the business, probably about 40 hours a week. Like, wow. So you're going to cut your hours in half as well. So sometimes it's not always about driving more revenue. In fact, I'd argue it's always about driving profit. And his example is a, is a great example of how he was he kept driving the revenue number and adding employees and really adding headaches to his life. So this is a really simple way to take a look at that. Now, here's what we also did. 
we helped all of those employees find new opportunities. Some of them wanted to actually spin off their own business or their own branch, if you will, of, of his business. So he actually got a stake in their business and they got to use his brand to go into a new community and open up their office. So that was one thing that it was an unexpected revenue thing in his mind. He didn't, he wasn't thinking this way. And once the other employees were off, and so I, I want to say this before I go on, this was not a come in and flip the switch plan. This was over a two-year plan to migrate these employees. And if it happened faster, great, but we knew it was probably going to take about two years to migrate all the employees and find them opportunities. And we had to roll it out perfectly and all that kind of stuff. So anyway, this program's rolling out. While he's doing that, as certain amounts of employees roll off the books, he starts rolling clients off the books. How do you do this? So what he did was he reached out to a few of the other accounting firms that specialized in these this type of work. Because what he did was he said, look, it's really the corporate accounts. Those are the ones I want. It's all these personal accounts and it's the one-off oddball accounts that are a real challenge. So we grouped them in buckets and then we basically sold them to other accountants. And we said, look, you're going to have to pitch them on why they should go with you, but we're going to say we're shutting down this portion of the business and you know we're referring you over to, you know, to Bob and Susan and Bob and Susan. Are the people to work with, and if they come on, we want half of their first year's uh, fees. And everybody said yes to that. And the reason they said yes to that was because it was much easier to pay half of the first year fees and have a bulk of new clients coming in instead of all the marketing expense those other accountants were were, were using already. So it allowed them to to get a sure thing basically and bring on all these clients. My client got extra revenue from actually selling his clients to other people in the market that were on the surface, you would think they were competitors, but they weren't. And so now two years later, my client's in a position where they're in a million revenue, four employees, he's making double the money. He's working half the time. And guess what? Anytime a corporate client comes on his way, he, if he wants to take them on, he takes them on. If he doesn't, he's also got all this, this referral network built up so that he can actually say, Hey, well, Bob and Susan are really the people for you. If you go and work with them, that'll be great. And he still had his ongoing deal that anytime he referred a client, he got half their first year in revenue. So think about that for a minute. So now he's not only making $300,000, which is double out of his own business, he's making referral revenue. He's making revenue on these new startups that are using his brand with their branch offices. He's making that revenue. He was actually making somewhere north of $450,000 a year for at least the first five years. Uh, I didn't work with him after that, but at least the first five years he was there and, and he was just the happiest camper you could ever imagine. That is what I would almost call reverse scalability. He's focusing on his time and other things. So there's there's ways to make more money without adding dozens and hundreds of employees and headaches and all those other different things to your business. So I'm going to leave you with four rules on today's episode. These are four rules that are critical to the to scale or not to scale question that a lot of you have. And there's another podcast I did just a few weeks ago that you can go look up and it is really about systems for scalability. Uh, that's a really good one if you know that, hey, the decision is we're going to scale. Now I need to get into the systems and stuff. So go look up that episode and listen to the systems for scalability. So without further ado, the four rules that you need to focus on to make the decision of to scale or not to scale. Rule number one, don't attempt to scale something that isn't proper. 
profitable. It's the fastest way to go out of business. I had another client. Actually, she was a prospect. She never became a client. She owned a flower shop. And you'll find out why she didn't become a client here in a second. She came to me and said, Mike, I'm losing about $3,000 a month. And um, I've got you know all this inventory in the shop and everything. I've got a brilliant idea to fix this. I'm going to open up a second flower shop about 50 miles away. And I'm like, Becky, you don't even know how to run one flower shop. Why are you going to open a second? She's like, well, if I can bring in more revenue, I can, you know, equal out the loss and all this stuff. And I can take half of my, my product and I can put it in that shop and blah, 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 and all the stuff. And I'm like, Becky, you got $40,000 worth of product in here, knickknacks and stuff like that that doesn't have anything to do with flowers. It's part of the reason you're in the hole. You, know, you can't go and duplicate what you're doing. Now you're going to be losing $6,000 a month if you open up another place. It's going to take you a while to get going and all this stuff. So I said, look, if you go at the rate you're going and you open this other shop, I will not work with you. If you're dead set on the second shop, I will not work with you until we fix the first shop. And she said, well, I guess we're not going to work together because I'm opening the second shop. And I said, Becky, you're going to be out of business in 12 months. And she said, well, I'm going to prove you wrong. And you know what? Becky proved me wrong. She was out of business in six months, bankrupt. Um, bankrupt, filed for bankruptcy in six months. And the reason is she was not profitable to begin with. And so she just went out of business twice as fast as she thought she would. So rule number one, don't attempt to scale anything that isn't already profitable. Fix your profitability before you scale it. Because guess what? If it's not profitable and you try to scale it, you're just going to scale the loss. And you don't want that. Rule number two comes from my friend Mario Burgos. He wrote a chapter in Game Changers for Government Contractors about the SAME organization. Mario said something that will stick with me the rest of my life. He said these words, growth consumes cash. Growth consumes cash. If you want to grow, you need cash. You need cash for just little things you need to put in place, whether it's recruiting, whether it's hiring, whether it's, you know, somebody's first three, four, five, six months worth of salary, whatever it may be, you need cash. Maybe it's for marketing and other different things. Growth consumes cash. And so you need to make sure you have a healthy amount of cash on hand, not debt, not credit. You need to make sure you have a healthy amount of cash on hand. So that's just sitting down and looking at what's, hey, what's this going to cost us over three, six months, whatever, to make these investments. Let's get that cash on hand so that we make sure we're not going in the hole to grow. That's a big thing. Rule number three, growth requires systems. Systems for recruiting, placement, customer service, sales and BD, proposal writing, you name it. Growth requires systems. You don't have time in a growth phase to learn on the fly. You don't have time for on-the-job training. You you need systems plus on-the-job training. Get what I'm saying there? Like if everything is in your head or in your manager's heads, that's not a good thing. You need training systems, recruiting systems, all these things so that you can bring people on board and make them productive very, very quickly. The last tip here is rule number four. You need KPIs to drive your decisions. You need numbers. KPIs, if you don't know, key performance indicators 
These are the numbers, the scoreboard for your business. You need number-based decisions, not just emotion-based decisions. Emotion's good. Trusting your gut is a good thing. But at the end of the day, back it up with data. A lot of times that data is going to tell you where you need to invest your time and your money. And often it's not the money issue that's going to you know, bite you in the butt. It's a time issue. It's taking too long to implement something. You know, you're wasting too much time making it profitable. You've got to make sure the data is driving your decisions and driving the business to the next level. So if you got something out of this episode, please share it with your friends. Please go and write a review for the podcast. I really appreciate that. If you have questions, as always, you know how to reach me. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to Game Changers for Government Contractors. For a full list of episodes and other resources, be sure and check us out on the web at www.rsmfederal.com slash game changers.